Hi, and welcome to the Lone Star Play podcast, where we sit, eat, chat, and repeat. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong, and we are coming to you from Austin, Texas. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for local restaurants, stores, butchers, farmers markets, and more who are using organic, fresh, artisanal, and local sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. All right, and thank you for joining me today for another great episode. I have Chef John Thompson in the house. Okay, so Chef John and I go back a ways. We used to work together for Stephen Piles up in Dallas. Uh, back in like 2012, uh, 13, 2014, uh, that that area, that that time period. Excuse me. So, um, and basically, uh, John it was recently the head chef for Zantnaya, which was um, uh, Jose Andres, the famous chef. He had a restaurant there in Dallas, Zantnaya. It was based off of a, a place that he had in D.C. Um, and it was basically like Mediterranean food and, and whatnot. Um, amazing place. So popular, um, you know, and they recently had to shut down, unfortunately, not because of the COVID. Um, I mean, maybe we'll we'll talk to him about it. I don't think so. It was way before that. But um, so we're just going to find out what what uh, Chef John is up to, what he's doing, what he thinks about, you know, what's happening right now, what's going to happen to the industry. Um, really, you know, he's got such a, a great resume. He's worked with so many amazing chefs. He is an amazing chef. Um, and you know, he's got great insight on what is happening in the industry and what maybe the future of the industry is. So I'm really, uh, curious to just get his thoughts, his opinions, uh, you know, about everything that's happening because look, chefs are suffering right now. You know, restaurants are suffering and, you know, chefs are leaders, right? In the kitchen, everybody looks to them. So it's gotta be really difficult for them right now. You know, it's just, they're the captains of the ship, right? And all the ships are sinking. So do you go down with the ship, right? What, what, are, what are chefs doing? What can they do? Um, you know, what ways are they pivoting um, and how this market is going to change uh, moving forward and what sort of strategies chefs use uh, to, to create food for you? You know, the supply chains are hemorrhaging, right? Um, so except for the local ones, those are doing great. So, you know, exactly what, what, what's going to happen, you know? So there's definitely a lot of things to discuss. Um, and I'm very excited to talk to John about it. So sit back, enjoy, grab something to drink, you know, or whatever, and uh, enjoy the episode. All right. Let's talk about that, man. Let's, um, you know, let's just dive deep into this, dude. Like, absolutely, there's been, right, um, something that just came out of nowhere and put our industry on its knees in a way that's um, never happened before, right? So it was just no, no way to react, not not really know what to do. And um, it's still like that, right? Everything's still in limbo. Everything's still all over the place because all the states are opening at different paces as well. And some of the supply chains come from different states and everything's connected. So everything's working very oddly. So well, first of all, I just want to get wherever you want to start like if you have any just thoughts you want to get going with we'll just go with it man so just curious where you know yeah yeah um man you just like looking back at things i think we all kind of knew there was a recession coming you know i think we were this period where it was the longest amount of time between you know major economic downturns you know we've been on this incredible 
streak for years now. So you knew something was kind of looming. It was going to happen sooner or later. Um, and I think most of us recognize that there was a restaurant bubble anyway, that there's too many restaurants, there's not enough you know, cooks to go around, not enough managers to go around, not enough chefs to go around, and not enough customers to go around. So it seemed like a perfect storm for a restaurant bubble to burst, but I don't think anybody ever anticipated it being so restaurant specific, you know, in the way that this COVID and quarantining manifested itself to just gut restaurants. Um, and we're not done with that process yet, right? So if you're, if you have a small restaurant right now and, um, you have a landlord who's probably being pretty cool with you right now. Cause what is he going to do? Kick you out. Nobody else is going to come in right now. Yeah. So they're letting you slide on your, on your, on your rent until things start to open up. And then they're going to say, Oh, well, business is back time for you to start paying that rent check. But I, I just don't know how that's going to play out for a lot of these guys, you know? So I, I know a lot of restaurants, you know, they're trying to, reconcile right now where we're standing is the 50% occupancy, but also obeying the social distancing rules. You can't fit 50% of the people in anyway. So, um, you know, maybe you can fit a third, maybe you're still stuck at 25%, but who, who can, most people couldn't survive when they were allowed to see it hundred <laughs> percent anyway, like great 50%. Fantastic. You know, so rent's going to start coming due. People are going to default on rent. And I think you're going to see a massive, restaurant closures in a month or two after things are open fully whenever that happens you know where people just can't make rent anymore enough customers don't come out or, or whatever um there there could be you know one more major round of wipeouts yet to yeah. come so brace yourselves i mean the guys that are going to make it right now are just chains places that can get lines of credit you know um, it's just a shame for our industry, which is already too, in my opinion, you know, as an individual chef, too chain heavy and would love to see more individual restaurants and entrepreneurial people and a creative spirit. And it's just like, those are the ones that are getting wiped out, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, why, why is it, you think it's really because of that, like the other, the chains have access to, you know, other funding and lines of credit, like you said, and maybe even yeah. branding that you know, the smaller ones can't pivot to or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're able to better advertise their to go format currently and, and yeah. get people to, to seek them out. Um, but it, I think most of it is just the access to institutional lending, you know, being able to go to bank and say, look, we're a huge company. We're worth billions of dollars. We just need some help and, and they'll get it. Whereas if you're a small restaurant, uh, you're, likely not going to to get any of that yeah and on top of that you know being a small place right and you've you've had your own restaurant right with sugar bacon like you know plus you just work for a lot of smaller places right like so you know that time is of the essence so you might not even have the time to head to this institution right to fill out the application and do all these things that they're asking you to do right because you've got to go shopping you've got to cook you've got to, like you said you wear many hats in these smaller businesses so even that's a burden right even just the time uh, effort like one i remember this one the reason i bring that is because i talked to this one uh um owner of a place called farm to table 
TX. Have you heard of Farm to Table? They use them up in Dallas, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, yeah. And uh, so I was talking to the co-founder of that place. His name is Sam Lash. And um, so he said, look, th- to be honest with you, Patrick, like we lost 90% of our business overnight. Like when the shutdown happened, you know, all the Dallas restaurants, Austin and Houston, just immediately nobody put in their Monday orders, right? Which is where the big orders come in for the weekend. And he said, to be honest with you, I lost 90% of my business, but I'm working three times as much as I was working before because I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm, you know, here, there, I'm just trying to make things work and I'm actually working way more than I ever was. And it's stretching me. I don't have time to do some of these things that are being asked of me uh, to try to get help for funding and stuff. Um, that's another problem that's, you know, it's just weirdly overlooked. Um, but yes, man, it's just so, I just feel so bad for these places. You know, these, like you said, these smaller places, uh, they just don't have a shoulder to lean on really. You know, like you said, the yeah. funding, I mean, there's just so many, there's so many parts of it, the funding, the, this, the, uh, the deep employee, uh, base that you can lean on to, um, you know, advice, right. That you could get from people. Um, God, it's just, it's so much, man. It's, it's really depressing. And how do you think, what do you think a small business, like, let's say you, let's say you had a business right now and it was, a, what, what would you be doing to combat this right now? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's tough. I mean, there's only so much you're even allowed to do. It's yeah, that's true. It, it seems like, you know, do you go after that like little bit of delivery business that you can get, you know, how do you, how do you get word out about that? That's just, it's really, really tough. If you don't have a locked in, uh, strong support, like through, I don't know, social media or a bunch of people that are on your page that actively support your restaurant that you can get word out to. I, I don't know how else a small guy can do it right now. Um, that's, that's, the best path I can think of. Um, you know, some of the other ways people have gotten news out about their establishment is by, you know, doing charitable things and turning their restaurants, you know, yeah. like, like Jose does, you know, he just turned every restaurant into Jose Andres turned all of his restaurants into basically soup kitchens to help feed people in the city and things like that to keep you on people's radar. And, um, I don't think he does it for marketing. You know, I think he's, he's a different kind of guy, but that's, that's what other restaurants, you know, can do, can, you know, turn themselves into the good guys uh, and try and help somebody out. And, and, you know, in the meantime, keep your name on top top of people's minds. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. What about like to go, to go curbside? You know, that's another big, industry issue, right? Like curbside is, is, I think that's great. Um, you know, right now people don't have much better stuff to do than just drive and pick up stuff anyway. So skip the, the Grubhub, the Uber Eats and all that stuff that's just crushing restaurants anyway. You don't make any money selling that stuff. Um, those sort of services were never intended to be like your lifeline. Um, they were just meant to like, Oh, you don't really do to go, but, we'll kind of do to go with you and you'll stay busy, but you're not gonna make much money off of it. And um, now that seems to be what a lot of people are left with is that one option because they weren't set up to deliver food. They never intended to deliver food. Um, But obviously, you know, if you can find a restaurant on there, 
great, find a restaurant on one of those sites, but just call them and order directly from them and go pick it up curbside. Um, I, I think some people are doing all right with, with that, you know, some foods travel better than others. So yeah, that's to, a great point. Tailor your menu to those sort of things. Um, you know, you might have to scrap what you normally want to do in order to do something that travels well. Yeah. What are the, you know, some of these, right? Like some of these fine dining, but I mean, just the, you know, the places you work, right? Like some of these dishes, they're not meant to travel. Like, you know, you're, <laughs> you're carrying it to the table. Like, Oh God, please don't let that little thing fall off of the top. You know what I mean? You're just like, how is that supposed to get yeah. you know, to the home 30 minutes watched. later, 45 minutes later. Right. Yeah. Even that. Yeah. You're already watching the food runner like a hawk to make sure like <laughs> yeah. he doesn't tilt the plate just a little bit. Totally. Now, I just got to go in a box and drive. And um, that's always been like an issue where, where, um, you know, we would see other restaurants and this was kind of a looming trend anyway of so many people doing to go stuff, especially at lunch these days, people don't have the budget to sit down and eat out and they don't have the time to sit down and eat out. So they were going to grow up and Uber eats and bring it into the office and they were ordering food off of our regular menu, but we didn't want that to get boxed up to go like that we knew it wasn't gonna be a good experience for them. They probably weren't gonna order from us again. Yeah. Um, so you have to really consider what it's gonna be and the textures are really important and the presentation is really important um, for what you can and can't do on a plate and in a box. Totally. What do you think about the deconstructed sort of meat? Like in Austin, I've been seeing these restaurants um, that, you know, provide food like that, right? That can't really be delivered or boxed sure. up. So they're doing these sort of deconstructed meals, right? Where they sort of, you know, par, par everything out and it's portioned and, you know, little baggies and you sort of do the last, you know, three to four steps, if you will. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? So it seems interesting. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it's kind of like a, like a blue apron ish yeah. method, right? Yeah. You get the food and you sort of assemble it. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Uh, you know, I was early on, I was doing some cooking for just a few friends and family. And, you know, I kind of do the same thing. Like, okay, here's your, here's your sauce. Here's your protein, whatever. And when you want it, just combine it and heat it up. Um, you know, those, those things are good. And I think, I think that's a great way to utilize a chef's talent, you know, so you can get some better tasting food and, a short period of time and yeah. at the restaurant that's yeah that's very good uh i assume that's totally going away after this is all done that that's not going to be a thing that sticks around but who knows maybe maybe that's one of those developments that comes up after this you know people are now maybe getting used to sitting around the, the family dinner table again for the first yeah. time in like years and they maybe they're enjoying it some of them some of them are i'm sure sick of it but yeah <laughs> some people have got to be enjoying it you know sure. that's a great point man i have not even thought about that that is a great point man you're right people are finally you know they're back to sitting around the table eating with each other again yeah you're right in a lot of ways this time looks more like what a normal life should maybe look like than any life I've ever really led in my adult life. You know, I've been working in the restaurants. I'm always gone at night and, you know, sitting down and having a dinner together and doing like game night or whatever afterwards, that wasn't like a thing. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't happen, but that sounds like a normal life. right? Sure. sure. Yeah. Um, so it's funny how this is like brought out some aspects of normality that didn't how, how has that been for you? Like being able, yeah, well, let's talk, let's, let's deep, uh, dive a little sure. bit deeper into that. Like you've been able to, 
you know, because a chef's life is right. You're not around on holidays or weekends or whatever. Right. The normal person's like you said, you know, having dinner on a Wednesday night and then playing, you know, Monopoly or something like when's the last time you did something like that? So, yeah, that is kind of crazy. So, yeah. What's that been like? It's I mean, it's been great in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I've got a kindergarten, a son in kindergarten. So, um, you know, for us, my wife is still able to work from home. She already kind of worked from home half the time anyway. So she's been able to transition to something that's relatively like normal life, but she can't have any part of watching our son. She's on the phone in meetings pretty much all day. So I'm teaching him his kindergarten. They send us a lesson plan. I teach him, you know, spend like half the day doing that, then half the day doing, you know, taught him how to ride his bike or go play in the playground and uh, swim if it's nice enough, you know, that sort of stuff. So that's been great because, you know, my typical life with my son before this was get him up in the morning, drive him to school, drop him off. And then maybe just maybe I make it home in time to like do a good night story. And that's, that was like our day together, you know, yeah, 40 minutes, maybe, you know, maybe an hour. Um, so now it's like all day, every day. So for him, he's going to remember this, you know, I think pretty fondly. So that's, that part has been, has been great. Um, you know, um, yeah, that, and just the cooking, although, you know, the budgets are tighter these days than, than what, you know, I would love to be doing if I had all this free time to cook and just throw down some crazy food. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's true. You you flex some different home cooking muscles and you work at like, what can I dive in the pantry and, and like find right now? Um, yeah. What are, what is a, you know, an amazing chef such as yourself? That's what people want to know. What are you eating at home <laughs> during this time? Right. Because oh, like, yeah, all, I mean, all sorts of stuff. Um, it seems that here we've been able to, to, you know, the shelves haven't been too emptied outside of the first like week or two we've been doing all right. My parents on the East coast, they're like, Hey, sometimes we go to the store, there's no meat. It's like that, that hasn't happened here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we've, we've been doing all right here, uh, with what we can get our hands on, but honestly, I've been doing a lot more baking than I typically would do. So on my days off, you know, I might normally make a thing or two, but, um, this, this amount of time I usually don't have. So I'm doing a lot of more like hand-rolled pastas and homemade puff pastries and stuff like that. And once I get a puff pastry on my hands, then I turn that into like a kind of a pizza sort of thing with whatever I can find uh, around the house. So that's um, that's something we really enjoyed. So uh, I've been making a lot of puff pastry turn into empanadas, turn it into uh, you know pizza or a dessert or whatever. So yeah, the baking is not something I typically am like. All right, great, I've got you know hours to to turn this stuff out you know it doesn't yeah. happen so much totally yeah baking uh takes quite a lot longer right than just uh cooking something um that yeah god that's so interesting you know i, I love how you're just oh i'm making some hand roll pasta you know people listen to <laughs> like i'm not fucking making hand roll pasta like i love that that's like the bottom bottom level for you like well i'm just i'm really just you know doing kicking it you know just uh just like normal every day um you know because i this is this is what's funny man it's like and i'm sure you know this right people probably assume at home you know, that you're eating foams and this and that all the time. You know what I mean? Like just Wagyu steaks, right? Just like everything the best all the time. And it's like, no, man, chefs and, and you're right there. They eat 
you know, you'll have a mac and cheese, right? I mean, you'll, you'll, sure. you're still eating uh, whatever, but at the same time, you can't help but be a chef, right? At the same time, you're still yeah. like, you know, you make a sandwich and just a normal person makes a sandwich, right? It's not even close. Like it's, a, that's, what's great about being a chef. You could take bologna and just make something like, you know, amazing with it. Um, which I think is great, man. What a great talent right now to, to have while you're at home quarantining, do like budgeting and yeah. right. J- Joss must be excited. Could be yeah. Like, she loves it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> She's a great cook too though. So you're, yeah. you know, you guys are both, uh, you know, get good food, but yeah, that's, man, that's great. And I, and you know, what's really great is that you get to spend so much time with your son, man. I know that that's yeah. gotta be, um, just an amazing uh, thing, you know, to do, to just be with them all the time and hang out and just see them, you know, see the little personality. I'm sure that working all those long hours as a chef and, you know, the last time we were together, that's something we talked about, right? Like the life that you have to live as a chef is, is very demanding. And yeah. you, you do have to sacrifice um, some things that, that normal people in a normal, you know, office job, they just don't have to sacrifice. It's just bottom line. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's a passion, right. For the food and the industry and servicing and, and providing healthy options for people that, you know, it's, it's what we do. So yeah. like, what's your, what's your step, you know, now, John, like, what are you thinking about now? Like, what's your game plan? So, or I don't know. Um, so when, when this hit, I was working on opening a new restaurant, it's called Yardbird. Um, and they, it's, it's a, a small, like it's called a small chain. They, they have uh, one in Miami is the original. They have one in Las Vegas and the Venetian and um, LA. And now the next one in the U S was coming here to Dallas. Um, so it's very good Southern uh, comfort food style restaurant, uh, beautiful spot right off the Clyde Warren park. And we wow. were set open. Um, we were going to do friends and family on Monday. And I guess the COVID shutdown announcement happened on a Friday. So it was like that close to getting the doors open. Um, So at Uh, that point, it's like, we're not going to start and do delivery. Cause you know, in the beginning, I don't even think there was delivery at first. I forget what happened, but Uh, yeah, I can't remember. We just, we just shut down. So you know, we had this, this fridge full of food. We thought, okay, you know, maybe two, three weeks, this will all blow over and we'll be back. But, you know, let's give our perishable stuff away to all of our cooks. It's funny. You mentioned like bologna after the cooks like emptied everything. We had some mortadella left in the, in the walk-in. It was like the last thing in there. And I, and I took like this like block of like mortadella home and making fried bologna sandwiches like every day. <laughs> I grind it up and put it in my bolognese and my meat sauce. So like, I knew, I knew you would do something creative with it. I knew it. I knew it. I love that. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I was like, I don't know if I can eat five pounds of this. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what was, was going to, to happen. So um, yeah. So we're still kind of in limbo. Um, you know, nobody wants to do their grand opening to do this curbside stuff like you get one yeah. chance to do a, a, a good first impression so um i got to we got to just wait i guess until the right time and i suppose the landlord's going to be cool with you know letting us slowly walk this in and that's what we'll do when we can really open because you know they, they built this to be a nice splashy restaurant right in the heart of downtown a great spot and you know nobody wants to tiptoe into that you want to you want to strut so uh, <laughs> we got time to do that 
Dang, um, that's God, the timing of that, right? I'm so sorry, yeah. John. Like, and I know how hard you work on places, man. I just know the effort you put into menus and research and, you know, um, whatever you're doing, right? So, like, oh, man, that's just heartbreaking, dude, you know, and what a horrible, God, the coincidence of that, right? Just the timing. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, yeah, like, unprecedented. And I think, you know, you, you, you brought up a really good point, which was at the beginning, y'all didn't know how long it was going to last. So you made certain business decisions. Oh, this is only going to be a couple of weeks, right? So we're, let's yeah. start doing this, this, and this. And, and I think that's what's been the biggest hurdle for people during this is the unpredictability of the timeline of all this. So it's hard to plan ahead. It's hard to know what to do and what to tell people. Everything's, I don't know, just stay on alert, right? Just stay on the phone, just be on call. Just, we don't know, we're, we're waiting, right? And it, I think that's just the biggest hurdle, right? What do you think about that? It's just... Yeah, it's, you know, I get cooks calling me, oh, what, what's going on? It's like... <laughs> you get the same news I do, man. Look, yeah. look, what's the governor saying? You know, it's like you're just waiting for the next press moment and analyzing it and figuring out what to do with that information. And, uh, you know, everybody else's guess is as good as the next. But, um, I mean, the good news is, like, customers seem to be very, very eager to come out. Um, so, you know, it's it's the next weird thing is what's going to happen to our restaurants going to be slammed because people have been so desperate to come out or are people still going to be a little scared and tentative and, you know, worried yeah. about a second wave. Like, you know, if they said, yeah, you can open up every restaurant who will go tomorrow. What percentage of the population is even like ready to take that risk? I, I don't know. So, I mean, not me personally. I'm just because it's not that I'm not ready to go out. It's that I'm just like that in life. I'm like, well, you go first. And I'll just see what, ha and I'll see what yeah. happens. I mean, that's just how I play the game, right? I don't do anything first, right? If we're going to go do something and you hook, if you got to hook me up to a harness, bitch, I ain't going first. There's somebody else going ahead of me. You do it. If things go okay, that rope holds or this holds or whatever, right? What? So that's yeah. how I look at this. It's like, well, let's just see what happens to the first wave of people that go out and I'll take it from there. I mean, that's sort of my thinking. I don't know. Um, you're right. It's because right now it's a fifty percent, right? Is that what you said? It's it, we're I at fifty percent. Yeah, fifty percent yeah, right now. Is it going um, to seventy-five then a hundred, or because I haven't read anything on that, or is it just going to straight to a hundred? It might go straight to a hundred. You know, um, the the other thing is like, what is the experience going to be like? Is it still going to be fun if you're surrounded by plexiglass or something, and <laughs> you're getting served by somebody in a surgical mask, and you know. <laughs> like it is, a great is point that, is that going to be fun for people are people gonna like look at this and be like and eh, this isn't what it used to be you know how long does that all last i i don't know um i imagine restaurants will be able to go like even if they say you have to do this restaurants will just go renegade and, and not do it anyway and of course um I, but i don't know i, I can't imagine what the experience is going to be like anymore yeah, it's, it's, you're right. You're, that's a great point. Um, some, I saw a restaurant, an article about a restaurant that installed shower curtains around the tables. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. You know, yeah. it's, uh, I mean, when I go to HEB here locally, right, um, Vanessa and I went to HEB yesterday, I believe, and they have the plexiglass all around. It's like you're cashing a check at, you know, 
one of those fast, <laughs> fast uh, check places. You know, there's just plexiglass. Like sliding the money through. Yeah, the wall. <laughs> exactly. Just like sliding it through the thing. You put it in the drawer. Uh, it, you know, it's literally every um, register is like that, just all yeah. caged around them, and everybody's wearing masks, right? Everybody's whatever. And, and as far as restaurants go, yeah, the the you know the Facebook groups I'm a part of, um, just to stay on top of things like the pictures people are putting in the post. Um, yeah, everyone's wearing masks, and it's very awkward, and it's very just strange. And um, really, it's more the tediousness I'm hearing from the staff of like. It's almost Im- it's impossible to do the standards they're asking to clean after every, you know, you're, you're supposed to wash your hands like if you touch something. Right. So there's just not enough stations and everybody can't get in line and they're closing off the bathrooms to customers. So it's like, well, how are you supposed to wash your hands? I don't know. Dude, it's just a nightmare. Right. It's just like you said, it's not a standard experience. So and there's a cost associated no. with every one of those things where, yeah, you that's know, a good point, too. Somebody, I think of times where like people, you know, going back to the to go thing where like, oh yeah, now I got to box this all up. And, you know, I'm thinking like that box is 50 cents, that cup is, you know, 15 cents and like all that stuff messes with your, your percentages. Now you just added a wall of plexiglass and yeah. all the sanitizer and wipes and extra people to clean. I, I don't know. Um, margins are already thin. Most restaurants weren't built to sustain this sort of business model. So like do restaurants start to change how they're being designed and built to be more flexible in these situations? I I don't, I just don't know. Um, You know, I joined, I really started cooking full time. It was like 2003. So the cooks that trained me were like the guys that were still in the same restaurant during like the, dot com bubble right where that that burst and went down like you know it's the first big recession in my life that i i remember um you know they were talking about like the good old days of like the restaurant just being packed every day of the week private dining rooms being packed and it seems like that was a golden era where there was a lot fewer like fine dining interesting restaurants in the town and everybody was flush with cash from the dot com stocks businesses were having crazy dining expending and um, pharmaceutical parties two times a night. You're turning your PDRs like every, like all the time. And um, that just doesn't exist anymore. And and less so like this time around. So when I look at like big restaurants being built with these private dining rooms, stuff like that, like, is that still going to be a thing that every restaurant needs to have? I think there's too many restaurants with that to support all of that. Um, I think there's a need for more small, flexible restaurants that are small menus, more, uh, more focus on the craft of what they're doing. You know, maybe, maybe we stop building restaurants that seat 600 people and have seven page menus. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I would we, love to see that to stop happening, but we, we should stop that even before this <laughs> pandemic, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you're bringing up, I mean, these are all great points. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's, you're right. You're right. What, what do you think about these, um, these ghost kitchen ideas? Because I have this theory that I think ghost kitchens are about to blow up right now, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because of, just because of the delivery system, right? You know, I just feel like who's not going to want to just get a little commercial kitchen, throw 10 concepts in it. And you know what I mean? I think it's, I think it's very smart adaptation to, 
what the customers are asking for. Cause you know, that, that was the other thing back in those like nineties, early 2000, like golden days was a busy lunch and nobody has a busy lunch hardly anymore. Um, I, I haven't seen too many of them uh, around town when I go to other restaurants or places I've been working at. It's just never uh, often there, you know, certain like, yeah, if you're in the city and you're downtown, maybe you're doing great, but um I think most places are still kind of holding on to this like notion of like, yeah, we're gonna be packed for lunch. It's like, no, you're not. Nobody has time. Nobody's got budget. Um, you have too many options. You know, all those things keep people from being like super busy in that that one hour. We all used to just get crushed at lunch, and you know, uh, a lot of places don't anymore. Yeah, because yeah, you've got these people that just want delivered food. You get offices just want catered lunch for like the department is a big thing these days where yeah um the the admin assistant says all right you 10 guys i'm just going to get you lunch every day of the week that's one of your perks for working here yep you have time to go out but we'll bring lunch to you um regular dining restaurants just many of them aren't there yet with that um so uh, the ghost kitchens are really interesting but um uh are they are they all operating through Uber Eats and, and, uh, that's the thing. I mean, I, that's the thing with them. Like, you know, I just did a podcast, right. You know, right before we spoke about the, the deliveries, right. About the delivery companies. And, you know, the thing with the, the thing with the ghost kitchen that I like, that I don't like about it. This is what I don't like about it is, is that one, they're connected to these delivery companies that I despise, but two, you're getting a concept that's, just on paper, right? It's just thrown together. There's no real, like Joe and Susan built this business, right? From the ground up. And, you know, they've been making these stuff or whatever. And there's a passion and there's a story, right? That's what, when you visit a good restaurant, right? The best thing about it is a story behind it. And there's a passion, there's a reason, there's context. But with these ghost kitchen, it's just, you know, Sal's pizza and Sal's tacos, Sal's noodles, Sal's, you know, Chinese food. You're like, what? It's just, but there's no, it's just food, right? It's just simple dishes thrown together with no passion around it. And I would hate for that to take over and that be what everybody wants to get instead of, right, the connection that you get. Because what, right, the best restaurants you ever worked, what is the big saying that everyone says around the restaurant? We're a family, right? We're a family. So that goes away, right? That is gone. So our family members, like it's just, you know, I guess whoever's cooking and then maybe somebody to help organize the orders. And that's, that's it. It's just this cold disconnected. It's cold uh, disconnect. Exactly. Process. But yeah, you know, the thing with the, the Uber eats and the Grubhub and all those guys, they don't make any money. Like Uber eats. I think they lost $450 million the last quarter. Yes. Sooner or later, that model is not going to work. Um, probably the one way it works is one of them takes over the others bail out and then they jack up the prices even more totally. uh, either to the customer or to the restaurants and many restaurants break even at best on those systems. So that's what I got to tell Uber eats like, Hey, welcome to the restaurant industry. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not profitable. Right? Like, hey, welcome to our world. You know, you thought you were going to come in and, take over and just get all this money. It's like, but you went into the wrong industry. If you thought you were, gonna, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how that 
how much longer they can sustain you're right all of that um and to get it sustainable where's the money going to come out of whose pockets are going to come out of and then they start charging the customers that much more than it's going to kill the business that way so um those delivery services i think are on a, a limited timeline so the ghost kitchen i don't know get your own driver or something then yeah then I, it might work know. out i don't know yeah yeah there's a thing here in austin um called it, maybe it's actually all of texas I, i'm not sure it's called runner city and maybe they're using it up in dallas but here in austin basically it's just a facebook group it's got like ten thousand members or more actually it's pretty big and Basically, you let's say you uh, you know want tacos from your favorite food truck, right? You call the food truck, you place an order with them directly, and then you go on the Facebook group and say, "Hey, I just ordered tacos from blah blah blah. This is my address. Ten bucks to deliver it to me." And just some random person, well, I'll do it. And they use it's just a you know you connect yeah. with. The, I mean, dude, it's blowing up right now. People are using it like crazy here, and it could be for anything. Hey, I need some you know, st toilet paper and whatever from CVS, please. Uh, you know, I need a bottle of tequila from the liquor store. I need for seniors. It's great. It's kind of how it started. And it was an ex server and a, a bartender who were furloughed right from working. They put this together and started using service industry members who, who weren't working right now to be food delivery, right? And just make their own deals with people, just a personal deal. The restaurant or business gets all the money, Right. You're just paying this person to, to bring it to you and you work out the deal. Yeah. So and people have been loving it. You know that maybe that's sort of the way forward with it. I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. We, we had something up here called favor. I'm sure that's. Yeah, we have favor. That's an Austin company. Favor's an yeah. Austin company. Yeah, I, I actually like favor, dude. I used favor of Boca. Well, they use you whether you want to or not, right? That, yes. That's the, that's the beauty of favor is that they pay in the moment. You don't get a tablet from them. Right. You know, you don't have to wait six weeks to get that check sort of thing. You right. pay you pay favor the 15 percent of your sales a month later. So they actually wait for the revenue and it's only 15 percent. Now, granted, it still seems like a lot. But when you compare that to what Grubhub and Uber Eats are charging is double or more double than that. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it works out. So, yeah, I actually support favor a lot uh, in Austin. And uh, I've always you know, the people I know down here that use them, you know, the owners I know down here love favor too. It's like the only delivery company we like, to be honest with you. Yeah. We, we kind of came to the same conclusion as 18. We didn't want anything to do with Grubhub. They, you know, any of those guys, they never gave us anything approachable, but you know, favor, you know, it was, yeah, like you said, it was happening whether you necessarily agreed to it or not. And it was like, yeah, <laughs> fine. Yeah. Great. Um, no. if, if that could reach critical mass and, and get big enough to like support places, then, then fine. Good. Go for that. I think that's the best way to do it because what I hate about, you know, Grubhub, um, you know, Uber Eats, Postmates, all these companies, right, DoorDash, they, they got to put their foot in the door of your restaurant, right? Yeah. They got to like be a part of your system. They want a tablet on your counter. They want this. They want that. Like, and I hate that. I hate that they want to like yeah. get into your system where that's what I like about, again, you don't even know a favor order from you sometimes. The guy could come yeah. up and not even say nothing that used to happen to me at boca all the time i didn't even know so i love that right i keep doing what i'm doing yeah. i'm getting sales from it it's great i mean it's the best it's like the best of both worlds but you know another point i brought up about the delivery too and i don't mean to bring up to double the content here for our listeners and viewers but i want to discuss this with you because i'm curious what you think about this just because you've worked in you know places that have higher 
uh, ticket sales, right? The the price per person is just just higher than a you know fucking Chipotle burrito. So, like, what I hate about the delivery is they charge a percentage as opposed to a flat fee, right? So they're taking you know if I got a fifty dollar dish, they're taking a big cut of that when it's the same to deliver a little thing as opposed. Does that make sense? Like I hate that. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I I was thinking about this the other day. We had ordered some food and um, uh, just from a little pizza place around the corner. And, you know, I took the guy a couple of dollars. And I started thinking about that. Um, if I ordered like 25 pizzas, am I tipping off of the percentage? Like I never do that, but I was just yeah. thinking about it. Do I tip off the percentage of the sales? This guy's making the same trip, you know, same drive, same like walk to the door. Like what percentage do you tip in that situation? Uh, I think you give him a couple extra, but... Um, I don't know. I don't really do all that much delivery ordering, um, under normal circumstances. So yeah, I get the point though. It's like, why would you pay off of the bulk sale when it should be the trip itself? Like that's exactly. the expense of the guy driving and exactly. the time, yeah. not the, but they want a cut of your sales, literally a cut of your sales, no matter what it is. It's like, I hate, I mean, I just, I, I do, I just, oh, I mean, don't even get me started again on this. Um, it's like, yeah, if you sell yeah, they, uh eight ounce choice steak and an eight ounce Wagyu steak, it's the same exact process for that guy. He's got exactly. nothing to do with the upsell. So. Exactly. But Uber wants to take more because of the, what, what, what? I, yeah. I mean, it is, uh, yeah, just, it's stupid. But again, they want their foot in the door of your business. And I hate that. And because there's so many different businesses and they all have a tablet and they all, you got 15 foots in the door, right? It's like, I uh, got dude at Boca at one point, it was like, there were just so many tablets and I'm in a food trailer. So I don't have the space even that a restaurant has. Yeah. You know? So I'm just like, dude, I mean, I literally just threw them away one day. I mean, we're just, I'm done using these. They're, they're in the trash now. They're, they don't even yeah. get, I'm sorry, but I just only have the, yeah, there's so many problems with them. I mean, it's just a nightmare to and keep track of them all, and keep them charged, keep them plugged in, keep them all connected to Wi-Fi. I'm a fuck, man. My Wi-Fi isn't that strong. I can, I can spread it out between all these, uh, you know, tab. I need to make sure my POS is working and going through, you know, my yeah. square or whatever, because they'll do these background things going to apps working and, and pulling information and GPS, you know, all this other shady stuff that they're you know they got going on so yeah man it's gosh just a nightmare right now for for restaurants and um you know having to deal with with all of this it's that's killing me man yeah 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 that situation seems very uh i don't know parasitic is i don't know exactly the right word it's just you know something draining you and uh yeah, it, yeah it's not even really helping you yeah uh, in a lot of cases so yeah, who who knows what's next? You know, I don't know like what lessons we'll learn, what dining will look like, what new trends will emerge from all of this. Because like these are the moments where new trends tend to come into they will. effect, right? Like they will, right? Like some of these trends will stick around. I, I'm with you. I'm I'm curious what what they'll be. I kind of have you seen the grocery store things have like where they're putting like you know little markets in their dining rooms of the restaurants because they're doing that here in Austin. Are they? Have you seen that in Dallas? Oh, um, uh, I haven't seen too much. There's a few restaurants that are doing like, uh, like these, uh, kind of like a farmer box sort of things where like, Hey, you know, come here and, um, chef's warehouse will give you or chef's, uh, chef's produce will give you like a, a box of like an assortment of stuff. Um, yeah. Um, the, the little farm stand things, I, I've always liked that idea. There's been very few places that I, 
know that have done it sustainably here. Um, there was uh, Bolsa was doing that for a while. Oh, Actually, really? I think they, were doing, they were doing more like a, um, if I remember when they first opened up, it was like a, like a, like a crop share agreement pickup location. Right. So that's like where the name oh. Bolsa came from is that you would come and you'd get like your bag of like your, your, uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. She continued to do that, but there was like a wall there where they had, had that going for a while. I always wondered why they called it Bolsa. I was like, why is it called bag? Bag of what? Like, I, that makes sense now. I, I, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I think that was the origin. I'm guessing that was the origin of the name, but uh, yeah. Makes sense. Um, yeah, but not not too many, like, historically have done that here. Um, I think most restaurants here look at that as, like, lost dining space, and they're very totally uh, calculated about how they want to do these things where, like, they're not, they're not thinking their customers are looking for some farm table ingredients to take home that's yeah. not dallas <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> so true that's so true they're just thinking like most of the dallas customers are eating out like six nights a week and ordering in the seven you know <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that's so true yeah austin you know it's a excuse me not a co <laughs> Not a COVID cough, I promise. Uh, but, you know, Austin, yeah, a lot of hippies here. So there's a lot of uh, that, you know, there's all kinds of, yeah. we're seeing a lot of different things here in Austin, right? There's like, this restaurant's doing this, this restaurant's doing that, they're doing this, it's like all kinds of, look, I get it. Everyone's just trying something, right? People are just yeah. like, uh, you know, they're frustrated. They're, they just don't know what to do. So it's like, what, how do I pivot? How do I adapt? How do I, what can I do to bring in revenue? Right. What, what can I do right. to bring in money right now? And yeah, it's, um, I, I definitely think delivery and curbside will become the best it's ever been moving forward, you know, yeah. hopefully right now, as far as the companies go in that, I don't know, but I just mean the way restaurants start boxing stuff up. I mean, your system has to get good after a little bit, Right. I mean, and it's all you're concentrating on. Right. Because as a restaurant, it's not like you had an opportunity to stop everything. And let's just focus on delivery for a week, guys. Right. That can never happen. It always had to be something on the side. You're giving little meetings, little pre-shifts. Hey, this is what we're doing. Use this box for this. But now everyone got to completely focus on it, have meetings. Right. I mean, lay it out, lay out the groundwork. Yeah. And so I think moving forward, delivery you know, curbside to go will will be the best it's ever been. Um, hopefully, with the companies that gets worked out on its own. But um, you know, and apart from that, I do think some of the deconstructed meals will stick around. To be honest with you, I think um, I think that yeah. might might stick around. Um, but other than that, I you know, I'm with you on the dining room sort of market deal. I don't see that really sticking around. I think that was a temporary thing that people. Restaurants had a lot of perishables that were going to go bad. And so they're yeah. like, screw it. Let's just put, you know, put the tomatoes out, put the, this out, put everything out and let people just bag it up and take it home and like a little grocery store. Because uh, at that time, too, our grocery stores were being sort of pulled, you know, left and right. We don't have the same amount of grocery stores in Austin that y'all have in Dallas. Now, granted, we don't have the same population either, but um, I definitely was seeing aisles completely empty. I mean, just, you know, meat shelves gone, noodles, canned goods, bread, dairy. I mean, it looked, you know, apocalyptic, dude. It was crazy. And it lasted a couple weeks and it did have me worried. I'm not going to lie. I was a little worried, Um, but it immediately, you know, HEB is just like the greatest, uh, you know, 
conglomerate that I love. Like, honestly, like a big company, I just love HEB. I know they're a huge chain, but they just lean into helping the community so much. I wish that y'all had HEB up in Dallas, man. Like, it's kills me. We have the central market here. Um, Central market, which is, I know it's the same company, but it's not the same. You go to an (laughs) HEB, HEB is just special, man. It's just special. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, you know, living in Austin for years, always loved HEB. And I, like when we, we moved our house, we were, we were up in Plano and we, when we moved, we we're like, eh, let's get a little closer to central market. Cause like, that's where we always go. To <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We love that place. Um, yeah, I love central market too. Uh, that and the Asian markets, which, yeah, which I yeah. do too, which are, yeah. which are great. But um, yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, like we barely had any issues. They, HEB was really good with, um, with rationing things out and limiting people on what they could buy. That yeah. was the first place I knew of that was like, you come in, you can get three like packages of chicken. Like you can't yeah. get. It's still like that actually right now. Wow. You, you, you go to the meat site. It says that you can't get more than, um, I think it is three, actually three of everything, dude. I'm talking all the beef, all the pork, all the chicken, um, even the stuff that's like pre pre, you know, where they like take meat yeah. and they'll like, Oh, we, we, you know, fajita meat that's got all the spicing on it. Right. And everything, even that stuff is three, everything's limited to three, um, as well. It's yeah. Bread is still limited toilet paper, um, you know, paper towels, uh, milk, eggs. Uh, That's pretty much it. Like everything else is pretty open. Like you you can get, I I feel like for at least the last month, it's been, pretty much business as usual at the grocery store other than like the spacing and uh, and whatnot that they try to do yeah um yeah here i yeah. guess we've gotten pretty lucky with what we what we have here um they do make you kind of like line up and time you out before you go in there's like a, a line at the door that moves pretty quickly but uh yeah no it, it's it's been all right that they, they haven't rationed much here at first but everybody else wasn't you know so if you were one of the schoolers was going to walmart and it was just like everything was blown out, you know, cause people wouldn't stop uh, buying whatever and there was no limits to it. Yeah, HB was the first one I saw to react to that. So yeah, hundred percent. And they did. Um, and to be honest, I'm, I do, I supplement. So yes, I buy from HB and I know I'm always on the podcast telling everybody support local, buy from farms, buy from, I do. Okay. So like I do half and half basically. So I buy these farm boxes, but I also supplement with HB, which is, I, look, I've talked to lots of farmers. That's what farmers told me to do. They're like, look, I get it. You don't want to just make the, the prices higher. Like, I get it. So just do half and half. Just supplement. Buy some stuff for me, but I get it. You still want to go to H-E-B and get your stuff. Like, they're like, dude, I go to H-E-B. I mean, that's what the farmer told me. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I go to H-E-B. It's like, yeah. okay, okay, cool. So, like, you know, that that's another good thing right now that the, if you are feeling a, a stretch or or wherever you are in Texas, you know, if there is some sort of, um, you know, limit or wherever you're shopping, you know, look at the local places around you and farmers, they are not having any issues at all. And they're willing, they're selling everything and they're doing great right now. So, you know, that's my recommendation to people kind of, if they can do both, you know, yeah. both, um, you know, cause yeah, they're, they're having no issues. Their, their supply is, is heavy. Their sales are up, they're rocking. Uh, they got the best product going right now. Honestly, this is the greatest thing to ever happen to farmers. They'll tell you that, yeah. right? They will tell you that. This is the greatest thing to ever happen to them. <laughs> the sales are through the roof. 
you know, I was talking to a guy the other day. He's like, I'm buying a pool. You know, like I'm getting a pool, you know, Jenny, we're getting an in, in ground pool. No more of that above ground. Like, Okay, great. Like they're just loving it, man. And I'm happy for them, man. I'm just super happy for these people because they felt like they've had a, a foot on their neck for so long. And um, yeah, that's what I think will stick around the most Hopefully. Will, will be that supply. But even for restaurants, right? Even the way restaurants get their food right their sourcing i think will completely change i think we'll start to see places using the local farmers more and getting meat from it was just going to make it better for everyone and I, that is one uh positive i'm happy about because like i said some of the farmers i talked to they said yeah we're getting reached out to by restaurants and stuff now because they will be able to actually have a more consistent you know um, you know, chain, right? Like, you know, in a restaurant, like when you order, you have stuff on the menu. So like when I order halloumi cheese, I need halloumi cheese. Like you can't <laughs> tell me it's not coming. Like I got a whole, right. So like the way they're setting up their supplies, I guess that's, that's their sort of uh, crutch. It's like, look, you will make sure we have what you want. Right. And we'll, we'll deliver. And we're right here. You don't need to call somebody out. You don't have to go through 10 people to get to the person that provides the food. I'm literally the person that, you know, gets this food for you. So, um, yeah, really, really, um, really interested about that. And another cool thing, I talked to this guy called, uh, he runs this company called cultivate. His name is Nathan Heath and his episode actually went out today. Um, and he, he was a farmer, here locally in Austin that provided produce to all the best places here in Austin, dude, you know, Ola man, yeah. Emmer and Rye, right? Like all these places. Um, and he decided what he was going to do is create these farm boxes, like garden boxes for people, but also for restaurants. So like Ola May is getting two installed at the restaurant. And that's what I want to see happen where all these restaurants start installing these garden boxes that they yeah. may, that they maintain. So Nathan's idea is that we'll maintain it for you. We'll show up, but you get the, right. The, the fruit of our labor, if you will, like from it, we'll cultivate it. That's what it's called. Cultivate The company's called cultivate, but that's the website. Super great idea, dude. I think that could do really well, at least in Austin, you're going to see once a chef, like from Olame and, and Emrim, right. They start to do it. These other places, odd duck, right. They, they just jump on board and they start doing yeah. stuff. So that could be really cool. You know, that, yeah, that's, that's great stuff. Um, I've, I've often wished I could have something like that in the restaurants. You know, we used to get these, like, uh, we work at the local farm to give us like living trays of, uh, baby greens and stuff like that. And, you know, at Zetini, I had this huge, wonderful expo counter. So I'd have the stuff up there and like, that was the thing that people wanted to come up and talk to me about, you know, like people love the open kitchens, but they see like the produce and it was just like, people just come right up to the line to see, you know, what is this that you're clipping like right here? It's like, it's alive right here on the shelf. And yeah. You know, um, that looks great. It's a good look for restaurants. And, you know, hopefully that's something that we do learn from this as we see like these disruptions in the food supply chain. And we see, you know, Tyson's getting shut down because every single person in there has COVID. You start to like Crazy. wonder, uh, shouldn't we just be better off getting it from a local farmer? And, uh, yes, you know, we maybe, should. Maybe we get some more farmers going and, um, there's some good, there's some good groups up here of farmers. Um, uh, mostly centered around profound microgreens, if you're familiar with them. And they kind of, they do this deal where they have set up a website where you can order from them and like 10 other farms and they bring you like the baskets. So you don't have to call up like, 
all right, I'm going to get my milk from this guy. I'm going to get cheese from that guy. I'm going to get my chicken from there. I'm going to get my carrots. Over, you know, it's like, that's it's great. Like a one-stop shop. And, and they, uh, that's the that's future. One, that's one of the things that, you know, keeps people from doing it. It's like, Oh, it's such a hassle. I got to make totally. 12 calls to get 12 things, you know? Um, <laughs> totally. So that, that, that really helps, you know, make it fit to what a chef is used to doing most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, absolutely. You got to make all those calls to the different places and it's a hassle. And I get it. Look, I, I get it. And, you know, talking to the farmers, they get it, too. They want to make it easy for you, too. They don't want you to have to change your whole life. Right. To, to adapt to them like they're they're willing to meet you where you are. So I really like that's the idea behind Farm to Table TX as well. Now, granted, before the pandemic, they did not sell to the public. They only sold to restaurants. Now, Grant, and again, and again, it was from all the different farms right here in the Hill Country, right? They're just pulling, yeah. and I guess from all around Texas, uh, but mainly the Hill Country. And now they sell direct to consumer, right? You can go on their website and get a farm box and get, like you said, from all the different farms. I got goat cheese. I got meats. I got, and that's what I get. I love it. Cause I get a yeah. mix of, it even comes with drinks. I even get some nice. <laughs> locally made sparkling water and kombucha, right? Like it's just, it's great, man. I get everything I need. Um, and again, I, then I go to HB and supplement some other stuff that I can't get from them, you know, other things that I can't get for them or just budget wise. It, it is expensive. It, it does yeah. cost more, but the more we use them, the more, you know, these systems get put in place. What guess what'll happen? The price will go down. Um, not to what you're used to paying, but there's a cost to paying a dollar ninety nine for a pound of ground beef. Okay, yeah. it, it came from two thousand different cows. It's literally a mix of like right, like you buy ground beef from your local whatever. It's one cow, right? George sacrificed his life for you, and now you get to eat George a pound of George, right? I'm okay with knowing that. I prefer that. Like I, I'm the way they take care of their animals, right? You, they're just normal animals until the day they're chopped up and eaten, but at least they get to live this normal life and they're, they're grateful for them. Right. And, and the meat yeah. that they provide. And yeah, I mean, there's just so many, you know, it's a long line of things to be honest with you, man, I'm trying to get Joe Salatin on the podcast. So we're, yeah. we're, we're really close. He was just on Joe Rogan last night and we're trying to get him. I had one of his apprentices on, uh, the, the podcast. So I guess Joel, uh, only takes two apprentices a year and I had one of them on, his name is Jordan green, great podcast, great guy. He's up in Virginia, actually just yeah. doing amazing things, man. So yeah, I'd really love to get Joel Salatin on to talk about this movement that we can sort of make a pivot to local sourcing right now is the time for it to happen because once things sort of get put in place, it's really hard to change them. You know, yeah. and right now that, and I'm not, God, I, I hate to, this sounds very cold hearted, but you know, right now that the chains are broken and these things are, it's the best time to step in and change it up, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Do I feel bad? There's a lot of people that have those jobs and stuff. I, you know, there's gotta be a way to sort of transition them. Right. I mean, it's like people that worked in coal, right. We got to find a way to get them into something else. Um, I'm sorry, you know, coal is coming back. I thought. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the blacksmith said, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I used to be able to get uh, Joel's uh, Joel Salatin's stuff in in DC when I was uh, first coming up as a chef. He his stuff from Polyface Market. Come from yeah. Polyface. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh man. Um, 
uh, yeah, I miss that stuff. That stuff is great. He's a legend and like his system is makes so much sense. And yeah, regenerative agriculture, that's the new term to remember right now. And the way that this other guy that I talked to, Travis Krause, who owns the Parker Creek Ranch, um, he told me like, that's basically what organic used to mean 10 years ago. So that's the new term that they're trying to take a hold because they don't want to use organic. That means nothing to yeah. them now. It literally means jack shit to those guys. They hate the term, in fact. Like, yeah. So their thing is regenerative agriculture and, and what does that mean? And yeah, I just want that to stick in people's mind and that needs to be something that we can... And it's totally possible. That's the great thing about it. It's not some crazy plan or crazy idea and it can't happen. And it's like totally plausible, totally easy. We would all be healthier better food i mean yeah there's just such a less killing actually there'd actually be less animals dying for all those vegan lovers out there right like there's actually less animals dying by doing it this way you know less less crazy crops that need to be grown that all these you know small animals die right the little rats the little mice the field mice like they right the little birds right it just loss of life is is so intense with these uh factory farming and the way they, they set up these days so yeah man it's Again, my, my thing is just right now is such a great time to pivot and, uh, you know, make a move and and do something. And, you know, I know it's a tough time, but this is where opportunities sprout from. Right. Or, or these tough yeah. moments. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'd love to see more more and more farms like that. You know, I think most most people, if they said they were going to be a farmer right now, that means they're growing corn, like corn and soybeans only or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not like when I read my son a storybook about what a farm looks like, that's like what Joel is talking about. You know, that's what it looks like. But in reality, they rarely, rarely look like uh, I a mean, child books, totally. storybook scenario. Totally. Um, yeah. Totally. They're not farmers. They're real estate developers. That's what a, one of this other farmer told me. He's like, those guys aren't farmers. They're real estate developers. They just have the yeah. real estate and they just run that shit. They don't, there's no care in the world really. But look, we're going to, I really appreciate your time, John. I know we've talked a lot, but I'm going to end on one, one funny thing that Joe Salatin does to help, yeah. to help his immune system during this time. Okay. Because, All right. you know, it is a good, it is a good point right now to have a good immune system, right? With everything going on and obviously eating and, keeping your health is a way to do that. So this is something that he does, which I found super interesting. He drinks water out of the cow's trough, like where they drink water from every day. He said, he said he hasn't been sick in 20 years. So he said, that's how he boosts boost his immune system. He said, everyone at his farm laughs at him, right? All the people he works with, every, they just laugh at him. He says, yeah, but I haven't been sick in 20 years. I drink the water with the cows. So if you got if your neighbors got any cows, you see them drink out some water, <laughs> maybe give a little sip. I don't know. Um, you know, I, you know, don't be drinking out of storage drains or whatever they're called. Storm drains, storage drains, not st- storm <laughs> drains. <laughs> uh, you know, be careful, but uh, definitely, you know, focus on your immune system, right? That's what I want to end on. I want people to focus on their immune system and try to stay healthy out there. But I thought that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. So that's great. Uh, but again, man, thank you so much, John, for for joining us um, and just giving us your insight on everything. And um, you know, really appreciate it. You know, talking about all this stuff. And and look, good luck with with Yardbird and everything happening with that man. I wish you the best. That that that's you know able to yeah. go well. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, appreciate you letting me come on here. It's always great to chat with you. 
Um, always have a good time kicking it with you. All right. I really hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to email the podcast at Patrick at Texas real um, And don't forget, you can check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the different places you can get podcasts. You'll, you'll find us on there. Or you can just go to our website, go to the LoneStarPlate.com. And uh, you can find everything you need there, all the episodes. Um, and you can check us out on YouTube if you want to watch it. You know, we video these, now, you know, on a little webcam here and do the Zoom stuff. And, um, you know, so if you feel like doing it that way, go to the Texas Real Food YouTube channel and you can find it there. Uh, make sure to follow uh, Texas Real Food as well on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe. Um, and if you, you know, are so inclined, please leave us a review anywhere you can. Um, you know, follow us on Spotify or leave a review on Apple podcast. Uh, that would really help us out, uh, as well. So if you support, you know, what we're trying to do here. So thanks again for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, without you guys, we will, you know, what's the point of doing this? Um, so if you have any suggestions on how we can make the show better, please let us know. All right. Thanks again. Be safe out there. Wash your hands. <laughs>